I don't know about you, but it sure seems to me that one of the elements of the Christmas season, it's certainly true at our house, is that there is just not enough time to get everything done. There's always one more present to buy. Uh, There's always one more trip to the grocery store needed. There's always more that needs to be done to prepare the house for for festivities that are going to take place. And not having enough time is an issue we face all year long, for sure, but it sure seems to be more intensified at the Christmas season. Can I get an amen to that from anybody? It's also true that I have lived a large portion of my adult life on deadlines. Uh, most of you know I've been involved in uh, the music industry for many decades, and um, I would get a call from a, a recording um, label or a publishing company to arrange and produce, uh, orchestrate a project. Once the recording date was set with the orchestra at whatever city I was to record, and contracts were signed with the musicians' union, and date was booked with the studio, and the engineers are booked, and singers were hired, there was no backing out of the recording date without severe costs being involved that nobody wanted to pay. So that meant I had absolutely uh, no alternative but to have orchestrations finished and ready by the deadline. So what that meant for me was a lot of what they call burning the midnight oil, and far too often it meant burning the all-night oil. And uh, I know some of you have similar stories. Your work has required you to uh, be involved with that level of intensity. And if you are a person who lives on deadlines um, and that it's, it, there's not any option to that, that deadline once it's set, you know, you know what I'm talking about. In those situations for me, I can tell you that there were countless, countless occasions where I desperately wished that I could buy more time. How many, how many of you have ever wished you could buy more time? You've been in a situation where, oh man, I just wish I had, I wish I had more time. Well, you are about to, and I are, we're about to embark on a brand new year, the year of 2021. As we face this new year, we are about to be handed a fresh batch of weeks. We're going to get 52 of them, 365 new days, 8,760 hours. I've done the math, folks. 525,600 minutes are coming at us in just a few days, starting this, this coming Friday. So my question is, what are you going to do with it? And how will you keep from wasting it? And will you be intentional about how you use it? And the big question I'm asking you today is, how much of it will belong to God? That's what we're looking at. That's why the first week of every year, Uh, which for us begins Friday, as I said, we always invite you to enter into a time of consecration. And say that word with me, consecration. So what is consecration? It's simply setting apart people, things, people, places, or things, all the nouns of your life, setting apart those things and even your time as sacred for God to use. Well, why, why is that necessary? Because if we don't watch it, we can go on about our lives and go charging into the next year and realize that we haven't said to the Lord, Lord, we are yours. And everything that you've given us, the time you've given us, the resources you've given us, everything, and, and myself, everything that I have, everything that I am, I want it to belong to you. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 13, he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. 
In other words, nothing that you have should serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. That's what consecration is. For you were dead, but now you have new life. That's the reason. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. But as we come to the end of this year, and I'm going to be forthright and vulnerable enough to tell you, I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with today. It always feels like that the church calendar should dictate how we should preach and what we should communicate. And, and uh, you know, I, should I give another Christmas message today? Should I? But I had the sense, and if I'm honest with you, I tried to um, abort this message today and do something else. But I have that situation where every time I would pray and ask the Lord to give me something else that would be, feel appropriate for this day and maybe what the people are expecting for this day, every time the Lord just slammed my face, if you will, back into what I want to share with you today. And I want to talk about consecrating your time. We're calling you to a week of consecration for all the reasons that I just mentioned, but I want to talk to you about your time. In the English language, we have only one word for what we call time, and it's time. But we know that in the Greek language, and many of you know this, the language of the New Testament, there are two words used for what we refer to as time. Many of you know this, and it's not new. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. But I'm going to need to be, I'm going to ask for your indulgence here for just a few minutes because the path I need to take right now in communicating this message with you to get to what I really want to say requires me to cover some technical ground. And I'm going to ask you to stay with me, stay alert, and, and do your best to let me cover this technical ground to get there. How many say, I'm with you, Pastor Dan? All right. So thank you for, for your patience with me. The first Greek word for time that I present to you is chronos. Say that with me. It's where you and I get our word chronological. Chronos simply means time or a specific amount of time. I want everyone to get your watch. I want you to tap your watch, and if you don't have one on, just tap your wrist. Let me see this. This is what we're going to do for time today. I'm going to have you be interactive with me because I've got to cover this technical material, and I don't want you to go sleep on me. All right, this is, this is chronos right here. It's the Greek word uh, that used to simply denote any space of time. That's what chronos is, any space of time. It could be the next 10 minutes. It could be any measured duration of moments, any length of time, any span of time. It is that 12 months in a year, that 365 days per year, the 24 hours per day, the 60 minutes per hour. You and I run our calendars and therefore our lives by this concept of time. What is it called? Chronos. In the New Testament, this word chronos is mentioned 54 times. Now let me talk to you about the other word because there's two in the New Testament for time. First is chronos. The other one I present to you today is kairos. Say it. The definition that you will most often find for kairos is, it's a little more abstract, a little harder to, a little harder to define, but you're going to hear it, an opportunity. Uh, kairos is a marked season. It, kairos is the right time. Um, kairos is... Um, 
a limited period of time marked by characteristic circumstances. In my effort to come up with a way to keep this all straight in our mind, I, I see it like this. I see this as chronos because it's talking about our, our, our watches and, our, and, and time. When we're looking, it's 941 right now. This is what I see as kairos. It's, it's a marked uh, period of time when something happened. You don't even necessarily know that it was at 941. You don't know it was on Sunday. You don't know that it was 2020. It's, it's a marked period of time. We might say it like this. Remember that time when, and then you fill in the blank. That's kairos. The word kairos would imply the idea that there comes a moment or that something has come to fruition, if you will. In the New Testament, this word kairos is mentioned 86 times. Now, it's interesting to me that the word kairos is mentioned more often in the New Testament than the word chronos. It may be a gross oversimplification uh, to say it this way, but to help us get a handle on it, because I need you to hang on to these concepts as we go through this. Chronos is what we do with our time. We decide and what's happening, and, 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 and we have our schedules and our calendars and so forth. That's chronos. Kairos, I tend to think, is what God does with our time. We don't dictate kairos. Kairos is something that, that happens typically to us. So note with me, chronos, 54 times in the New Testament. Kairos, this limited span of time where something happens, 86 times. It would almost imply to me that God is more interested in his timing than he is in ours. Amen? Kairos also implies that not every portion of time is created equal. Uh, not every minute of our lives is created equal. In fact, there are some minutes of our lives, Kairos would say, that will become moments if we allow them to. And you understand the difference in a minute and a moment. Remember that moment when that's what Kairos is. Every pastor that I know is praying that in the word God gives them to deliver to their congregation on any given Sunday, that something they will say will take just one listener one person sitting there, one person who's with them and, and, and paying attention and listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to them, that, that it will take just one listener from being absorbed in the chronos into an awareness of the kairos. Am I making sense to you? All pastors I know are hoping that they, that they give something to the people which takes them, if, if only for a minute, out of the pressures of the chronos. And we certainly do have pressures of the chronos. Take them out of the pressures of the chronos into the greater, if not the more eternal understanding of the kairos, leaning into something God might be saying in that moment that he has given. So what does it look like when chronos becomes kairos? Or what does it look like when a minute becomes a moment? Let me give you some biblical examples. The chronos became kairos, a kairos moment when Moses saw the burning bush. 
You get it. That was a moment. That wasn't just a minute. He got up that morning to uh, whatever awakened him, and, and he was looking at the sundial or whatever. He looked at his, you know, his eye watch maybe that morning, and, and he was going through his day, and suddenly the burning bush moment happens. It went from Kronos to Kairos. The Kronos became a Kairos moment when Elijah hears the whisper of God after the earthquake and the fire. That's when he, that something happened. The Kronos became Kairos moment when David is out in the field, minding his own business, tending sheep, got up that morning just to do what he always does, but suddenly he is called in to become anointed as the king. The Kronos life he was living turned into a Kairos moment. If I could sit down with each one of you today, I know that you can each tell me a particular moments in your life where it's as, it's as though God came down from heaven and he spoke to you or he showed you something or God had someone speak to you or he riveted a verse of scripture to your heart. These are the moments I'm talking of. It's the moment when the Kronos moments that the Kairos seems to invade the Kairos invades the Kronos, and this dynamic happens. It's where the angel appears before Mary and says, Hail, you who are blessed and highly favored. Obviously, the Kairos invaded the Kronos of her day that day. It's that moment when something changes in our lives. Are we good so far? There is Kronos. Tap your watch. Show me Kronos. And then there is Kairos. What's our Kairos? Okay, hang on to that. I have one more word to add to you. And then we'll get to the other stuff. The word is this. The Greek word is pleroma. Pleroma. And it means fullness. It means completion. It means fulfilling. Now, I'm not a sign language person, so I came up with all this on my own. I really did. It was really hard, but I did it. For fullness, all I've got is this, okay? That looks full to me. Kronos, Kairos, and fullness. Say, Pastor Dan, you did a good job with that, amen? <clears throat> Pleroma is used approximately 17 times in the New Testament, according to my research. But <clears throat> only two of those instances in only two of those instances, is it in reference to time. It is important in my technical outlay here for you today that you understand these two times that pleroma is used. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. I need you to see it, and then we're going to do a bit of a compare-contrast, okay? Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness, pleroma, of the time, chronos, had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, but to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. How many are glad you're no longer living under the law, but you're living under grace? Here's the other pleroma. Other time pleroma is used as it refers to time. It's Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness, pleroma, of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. One theologian that I studied says it this way, pleroma is when our chronos intersects with God's kairos. He's saying when our chronos intersects with God's kairos, fullness takes place at that time. He's essentially saying that we can get so consumed by our chronos, that's true of me, it's probably true of you, get so consumed with our minutes and our hours that the chronos can easily uh, choke out the kairos. But if we can allow our chronos to be intersected with God's kairos moment, then what happens is pleroma, fullness will happen. So Bethesda, I ask you this morning, what will you do with your, in order to create the possibility of, which will bring you into the, oh, thank God you're paying attention. I thought you'd be asleep by now. For 2021. The truth is, God is waiting through our, to bring us into a, that we might experience his, I believe that's why Psalm 16 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy. I think the psalmist, when he says that, is admonishing us to use our this in such a way that will bring us to this in God's presence, for that is where we will discover the fullness of joy. Pleroma. Now, let me start to pull all this together, and thank you for your patience in allowing me to lay it out that way. You've been terrific. The two verses we read about pleroma, where it is used in the, in the New Testament, referring to the fullness of time, as we would say in English, Galatians 4, Ephesians 1. Galatians 4 said, but when the fullness, the pleroma of the time, chronos, had come, that was the Galatians verse, the, the Ephesians 1 verse uh, said, it uses the exact same phrase, in the fullness, that in the dispensation of the fullness, pleroma, of the times, kairos. So what? So what, what is that? I simply think that wrapped up in the Greek of this text, that when the chronos and the kairos intersect, pleroma takes place. And I think that to you and me, this is a simple reminder that even in the mundane the ordinary, the dailiness uh, activities of our lives, going to work, taking the kids to soccer practice or to piano lessons, getting the groceries, even in the midst of all of that, there, that there is a moment of worship that can happen. There is a moment that God has waiting for you that he has designed through your 
your chronos and his kairos idea to bring you into fullness. There is an opportunity for the presence of God to fill your minutes and turn them into moments. And that in all honesty, God is there waiting on you for the kairos moment. Somebody say, bless the Lord. Another example, most of us are familiar with what takes place in Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, uh, cloven tongues as a fire appear over their heads. They speak in other languages. That's, that's Acts 2. But the chapter just before says this, Acts 1, 4, and 5. On one occasion, at a particular time, at a chronos, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, speaking of Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a chronos moment, Jesus is speaking about a coming kairos moment. Verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now skipping to the better known second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly, Jesus has invaded their Kronos moment to tell them that a Kairos moment was coming soon. And when it comes, fullness will happen. The Holy Spirit will come. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The Kronos became Kairos and Pleroma happened. Let me give a more practical analogy. We all know that a typical pregnancy is for a woman to carry a baby for nine months. It's just time, and you just gotta wait. And if, if your experience is anything like ours, those last two months feel like two years, right? It's the way it goes, and I know that I'm a male, and I have no right to say anything about it, I've, I've heard all that. But it's just time, it's just chronos. It's chronos with morning sickness. <laughs> it's chronos with craving pickles and ice cream at midnight, right? It's Kronos, it's but there will come a time when the wife will look at her husband and say those two words. She will say, it's time. It's time. It's a great example of a Kairos moment. The time has come. In due season would define Kairos. But I would suggest to you that the pleroma, the fullness, does not happen until that baby is delivered and placed in the arms of the mother. That's when the fullness of time has taken place. So Kronos interacts with Kairos. And shortly thereafter, you see Pleroma. Now, all of this is to bring you to my text this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. And I know you're thinking, oh my Lord, he's just now getting to his text. Are you kidding me? But it's to be able to say what I came to say. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and a little part of 16. See then that you walk circumspectly. What does that mean? That you walk uprightly. That you walk carefully. That you walk diligently. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, 
redeeming the time. Would you say that with me? What does that mean? Let me show you the meaning of this word redeeming. The word, hard for me to pronounce, exagorazo, exagorazo is how you say it. What does that mean? That's what, that's, I, I have a great uh, uh, Bible research and, and um, study program, and when I triple click on any word, if it's in the New Testament, I triple click on it, it immediately blows up the root of that word, what the word is and the root and all of its applications. I triple click on the word redeeming, redeeming the time. Exagorazo comes up, which means by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. That's what redeeming is. Why don't you think about that in light of your life? Exagorazo, by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. Can I just say it simply? To buy it back. To buy it back. That's what it really means. That's what redeeming means. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, he's saying redeeming the time, buying back time. Buying back time. He's saying, be aware of how you're spending your time and buy some of it back. Take it back from the power of another. As we move into 2021, I'm challenging all of us to take back time from the power of the enemy. But it's also time for us to take back time from our own schedules that are just overbooked. Hello. We commit to too much. Raise your hand if that's true for you. We agree to too much. And Paul is admonishing us to redeem it. It's not too late. Redeeming the time. Buy it back. Some of you may be asking the question, but why would I have to buy it back? It's because someone else has taken it. Because something else has robbed you of it. That's why. Now, all of you who know me well at all, like for the last 10 minutes, you will know that I am primarily preaching to Dan today, okay? That's, Dan needs to hear this more than any one of you sitting in the room today. So let me give you a glimpse into my own heart to see what the Lord is dealing with Dan about regarding 2021. And hopefully it might be of help to you as you face this new year. I'm going to give you three quick things before I close about redeeming the time. Number one, every minute can be a moment. Say it with me, please. When I was digging deeper into the Greek of our text of Ephesians 5.16, where it says redeeming the time, I triple-clicked on the word time to see, you know, you can, the English word time might be used in one verse one way, and another verse, it's, it's another root. So triple-click on time to pull up all of my Greek resources. I've got 25 or 30 Greek resources. I was really hoping I thought surely it was talking about redeeming the time. I was hoping that when I clicked on time, it would come up chronos. You need to buy back minutes and hours because I wanted to tell me I could buy back more time to get more stuff done on my list because I got a list. And I, I was hoping it was, I was gonna get time back to do the things that, that, I, that I wanted to do. But sadly, a triple click on the word time of redeeming the time says it's kairos. I clicked on it, and all of my Greek resources came up to tell me that no, that word time right there in that verse is kairos. I looked at the first one and said, I thought, well, let me check it out. Maybe it'll say chronos. I went through every one of them, 
Every one of them said, it's kairos. How do you redeem the kairos? How do you do that? I think the Lord might be saying to us that every moment with him is kairos. It's just that we don't always meet him there. Paul is saying, redeem the kairos. Redeem the time. Buy it back. If we will allow it to happen, every moment of every day, we can redeem the time. Let me put it where your feet hit the ground, in your car, at your desk, in your cubicle, at home when you awake, at home when you lie down. And honestly, folks, lest this seems at all mystical or a little ethereal to you, it can be as simple as saying these three words. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I want to buy back any time that I've lost. I'm looking for a Kairos moment. I don't want to just live minutes and hours and days. I'm looking for that moment, a moment that you have designed, a moment in your presence, a moment that has value and eternal uh, consequences within my own life. And it can be as simple as saying, Come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me right now? Come. Come on, say it again. Within this year, as you awaken, come, Holy Spirit. I want to redeem the time. And it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't near. He's always near. It's simply that we're not always aware of him. Let us not miss the opportunity for a Kairos moment. When anger rises up within us, it happens to all of us. You need to redeem that moment. You need to buy that moment back. That's redeeming the time. When your mind begins to drift to fear over your circumstances, it can happen to any of us, and you begin to play out the worst possible scenario instead of the best possible scenario. One of the things I always say, Dan, this could play out another way. It doesn't have to be the way you're thinking. There's another way this could play out. I use that a lot. And I'm going to choose to look at the possibility of the good things that can happen. When your mind begins to fear over your circumstances, buy that moment back. Redeem that moment. Buy it back from the enemy. When your schedule takes time that should be spent with God, just because it's the demands. Oh, I, I can talk to you about schedules. The demands that can happen and what family needs and what uh, other people in your life need from you and what your job demands and all of those things that feel so, so out of our control. You, if it has taken your time away from God, redeem the time. Buy it back. Don't allow your chronos to choke out the potential kairos because it can certainly do that. Choke out, choke out, choke out, choke out, choke out. That makes me think of the seed sown among thorns in Mark chapter four. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things, and so no, no fruit is produced. When I, that thought went through my mind about choking out, I began, it took me to this idea of this is what happens. Choking out the good things that can happen. Now, now please, please, please hear me. I live with my feet on the ground and my heart toward the Lord. When I say that, it means I'm not really an ethereal type person. Now, I can get a little spooky from time to time, yeah? But my feet are on the ground. I live in a real world 
with real people and real problems and real stuff. And I'm not trying to imply that the things which take up your time are bad things. No, no, no. I'm not trying to imply that. I'm not trying to put some sort of guilt on you or condemnation on you. That's not what I'm trying to say. But far too often, Bethesda, we're guilty of missing out on the great because we settle for the good. We miss out on the great things God has for us because we're okay with with good. Soccer can choke out a Sunday. Work can choke out our worship. Financial stress can choke out our ability to tithe. The busyness of our schedules can choke out our solitude. Pursuit of money can choke out our pursuit of moments. My admonition to all of us is this. Don't allow your diligence toward chronos, as important as it is to be diligent with your time, your hours and your minutes and your days. Don't allow your diligence toward chronos to choke out your attention toward kairos because every minute can be a moment. Number two, my chronos submits to his kairos. That's basically asking us all the question, who is sovereign in your life? What is sovereign in your life? Who is sitting on the throne of your life? Who's in charge? Who's the boss? It would be good, this is so Christianity 101, It would be good for all of us to wake up in the morning with the first words coming out of our mouth to be this, Jesus, you are Lord. The first thing we say in the morning. Am I right about it, church? Say it with me. Jesus. One more time. Jesus, you are Lord. I'm yours to command. This day that you have given me, these, this chronos, these hours and minutes, they are yours. You have given them to me. The very breath that I'm breathing, the heart beating in my chest is because you have given it to me. And I want to declare today because you are the one who's given me life and breath and health and the ability to do whatever I'm gonna do today, that today I'm declaring Jesus Christ is Lord and you're Lord over my life. You're Lord over my schedule. You're Lord over my calendar. Somebody say amen to that today. My time belongs to you, Lord, and I'm desiring that every minute of it become a moment with you. And so, Lord, today, this very day, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be still and know that you are God, just like the psalmist said in Psalm 46. Be still and know, because I'm going to lead me to my own devices. I'll go running and ripping into the next, to the day, into the next thing. But I want to learn the value of be still and know that you are God. Let me give you the, the J. Daniel Smith translation to that verse. Be still and know that you are God. It goes something like this. Quit it. Stop it. And know that I'm God. Whatever you're doing, quit it. Stop it. And know that I am God. Know that I am present Know that I am here in heaven bringing things to their pleroma, to their fullness on your behalf. It's that awareness that God really is working on our behalf. We love that verse in Isaiah which says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. In other words, those who submit their chronos to God's kairos, those who are willing to submit their timing to God's timing, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like 
and we sang it first song this morning. Did you know that you will rarely see an eagle flap its wings? Doesn't happen. You see an eagle soaring, right? Chickens flap wings. Eagles soar. If you have trouble differentiating between an eagle and a chicken, now you know. Chickens flap wings. Eagles soar. And they say that the way that eagles soar is called thermal flying. Thermal flying. Eagles are so smart that they will soar around until they find a thermal pocket. And in that thermal pocket, they will soar effortlessly. Those who submit their chronos to God's kairos will mount up with soaring wings like eagles. Be still and know that I am God. Stop striving. Quit it. Stop it. And know that I am God. And I will bring your situation into the fullness of God's timing. Number three. I'll be done in just a minute. Or ten or some Kairos expression. Number three. Every day can be a Kairos day. How much different would we live our lives if we believed that? What, would you, what decisions would you make the rest of this afternoon and this evening if you believed this was a Kairos day? Seems as though we spend all of our chronos kind of waiting for a Kairos to happen. We'd all love that. Hopefully I've said enough today to give you a thirst or a hunger for a kairos moment in your life. We, but we, well, we tend to wait on it. We seem to be just trying to survive the chronos until the kids are out of diapers or just trying to survive until you can get the raise that you, you think you deserve or just trying to make it until the kids get through school. And instead of trying to survive the day, it is the desire of God, the sovereign God Almighty, the one you've declared to be Lord, for it to become a kairos day. Psalm 118 says this, this is the day the Lord has made. 2020, December 27th, 2000, this is the day the Lord has made this day. The Lord made this year. Hello, with all of its challenges, with all of its things to get through. This is the day the Lord has made. Therefore, I will rejoice and I'm gonna be glad in it. Let me tell you, sometimes we take the negative side of it to say what it's not saying. It does not say, when the kids have graduated, when the bills have all been paid, that is the day you will rejoice. Is that what it says? Are there any conditions at all that you see in that verse that says you can only rejoice when this and this and this and this has happened? That's not the way it works. It says, no, today is the day for rejoicing. For the fullness of time has come and you can rejoice and be glad in it. And regardless of the challenges you face today, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of the problems you brought into this room with you today, the Lord wants you to know that every day can be a Kairos day and God will meet you there. Hallelujah. Let me ask you just a real personal, up close and personal question. Don't budge, don't get any kind of sign of response. When's the last time that you knew you were in the presence of the Lord in your personal time? When's the last time? I don't ask it for shame. I don't ask it for condemnation. I ask it 
to get you to realize today what a Kairos person, uh, what a Kronos person you have become. Dan too, I told you, I'm preaching first to Dan. We become a Kronos person. You are so taken up. Some of you, while I've been preaching, Dave, you've got your grocery list put together for this afternoon. Got your list of everything else you've got to have happen. I love going to that 9 o'clock service because i got the rest of the day to do whatever I want to do. You become a Kronos person. It's so easy to happen. And I have to say, dear believer in Christ, one who has declared Jesus Christ as Lord, that means he's the boss, he's in charge. It means that we are people of worship. We are people who come and bow before his throne to worship him. When is the last time in your personal time, in the privacy of your own heart, of your own home, that you knew you were in the presence of the Lord? If you could, for just a moment, come out of your chronos to realize that the God of the universe is right there waiting for you. You're all wrapped up in this, and yet he's waiting, waiting to speak with you, waiting to engage with you. And it's as simple as, come Holy Spirit. Lord, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me today? And how does that happen? How do you redeem the time? By understanding and believing that every minute can be a moment, your chronos submits to his kairos, and every day can be a kairos day. So I ask you at 10.13 a.m., what time is it? And I will tell you, I will answer it for you. It's time to redeem the time. It's time to buy it back, and it's time to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let the church say amen. Would you stand with us, please? Obviously, our finest example on how something is to be, re is something's to be redeemed comes from the Lord Jesus himself. How, how dare I even use the word redeemed without making this clear? The Apostle Paul put it in these words in Galatians 4 when he said, but when the right time came in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us. Oh, he adopted me. He chose me. That's unbelievable. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. Could you just lift your hands with me for a moment? Just for a moment. Just lift your hands. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're the one who's given us the time that we have. Thank you that you've given us life and health. And you have a plan for us. Thank you, Lord, that you're there waiting on us, even this very moment right now, to allow us to come into your presence and to worship you and honor you and exalt you. So, Lord, as we go into this year of 2021, give us the grace to walk after you, Lord. Give us, give us eyes to see. Give us spiritual sensitivity like we've never had before. We certainly need you more than we've ever had you before. Give us the spiritual sensitivity to realize that every day can be a Kairos day as we simply say, Lord, come Holy Spirit.